Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. Today's episode is going to talk about something that's probably obvious to anyone who's gone through it, but to those who haven't, infertility treatment can be really expensive. How expensive it can get depends on the country. Today I'll be focusing on one country, the USA, and how people struggling to conceive take to the internet to find funding for fertility treatments. The first thing worth mentioning about infertility treatment in the U.S. is that the vast majority of insurance companies do not cover these expenses for patients. Yes, some states have passed laws mandating coverage for fertility treatments, and some companies also require their health care plans to give employees fertility treatment coverage. Having said that, the coverage panning out in real life is quite variable, and like many things in the U.S., inequality in financing fertility treatment is a major problem. For an American woman who successfully conceives using just fertility-boosting medications, the cost can be upwards of $6,000. For a woman who uses both medications and IVF to successfully conceive, the total cost can go up to $73,000. I do not have statistics on how much it costs to fail to conceive using medications or IVF, But hopefully a study with this kind of information gets published because couples don't really get to hear this information too often going into IVF. According to 2019 data, the average household income in the U.S. was around $64,000, which means that rounds of IVF can cause serious financial strain. It isn't unheard of for couples to take out a second mortgage on their home or even forgo buying a home in order to pay for IVF. Given how financially burdensome and unequal healthcare coverage is for fertility treatments, a trend in recent years has been to seek aid on the internet in the form of crowdfunding. For those who are unfamiliar with this term, crowdfunding is the act of trying to raise money online from other people, and this brings us to today's study. Published a few weeks ago, early July, in Fertility and Sterility, this study is called Unmet Financial Burden of Infertility Care and the impact of state insurance mandates in the United States, analysis from a popular crowdfunding platform. Its authors came from two highly regarded universities, Northwestern in Chicago and Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. These authors were curious to see if crowdfunding activity related to who has fertility coverage. They hypothesized that in states that required healthcare coverage of fertility treatments, that there would be fewer crowdfunding campaigns. To test their hypothesis, Here's what they did. The authors looked at the largest crowdfunding website on the internet called GoFundMe to see how many of the fundraising campaigns related to search terms fertility and infertility. At first, they were looking at all U.S. campaigns posted from 2010 onwards, and 2010 was the year GoFundMe was started, until last year, 2020. However, they didn't find any campaigns related to fertility or infertility in the first few years of GoFundMe so they wound up narrowing their search to the years 2013 to 2020. They next looked into the details behind these campaigns, which included where they were started, how much money they raised, and what were the stories behind the campaigns. To increase accuracy, they double-checked which U.S. states have health insurance mandates for fertility and compared them to states without those mandates. In the show notes, just in case you're curious, I've posted that list. 
From their research, the authors located 3,332 campaigns about fertility and infertility. The total amount of money from all these campaigns came out to requests of over $52 million. The average crowdfunding campaign asked for about $20,000. And take a second here to guess in your head or out loud if you're alone, how many of these campaigns reached their goal? My guess was off. I had guessed around 50%. Turns out, fewer than 23% of campaigns reached their goal. Putting it another way, nearly 80% of these campaigns did not meet their goal. The average campaign raised about $6,800. Not surprisingly, there was an upward trend in every single state as time went on between 2013 to 2020, with an increasing number of GoFundMe campaigns trying to raise money for these treatments. While I'm personally curious about why or why not a campaign reached its goal, the authors of this study were most curious to compare people living in states with mandated coverage for fertility treatments with those without and the relation to crowdfunding, so let's get into those results. After adjusting for the number of people living in each state, the authors confirmed their hypothesis. There were fewer crowdfunding campaigns in the states that had mandated fertility coverage. However, the campaigns coming from those states with coverage had higher fundraising goals, which may have been related to the finding that these states also had higher health care costs to see a physician and to receive fertility services. When the authors looked at all of the nuances of the mandated health care coverage, they wisely recognized that their results should be interpreted in the context of what they didn't know. While we know how many people asked for money on GoFundMe, we don't know the other ways that people tried to raise money to pay for fertility treatments. Did people apply for grants? Did they ask their family for money? We don't know that from GoFundMe. Also, as mentioned earlier in this episode, what exactly is covered for infertility treatment varies by state. The state of California mandates infertility treatment, but it excludes IVF, whereas the state of New York offers up to three cycles of IVF. Hawaii covers one cycle of IVF, but if the cause of infertility is unknown, the couple must attempt to conceive for five years before this coverage kicks in. Since there's no consistency in coverage between states, lumping a state like Hawaii together with New York makes these results seem less valid. To close out the episode, I'll give a little bit more of my take on it. Now, I've never been shy about criticizing a weak study. In this study, I liked overall. I liked the novelty of it. It was the first study to look at how America as a nation is using crowdfunding to help pay for fertility treatments. The study authors looked at a lot of interesting statistical details behind the crowdfunding campaigns, which builds credence that they explored their hypothesis and the complexity of it from many angles. My main criticism of the study is that it did not account for American companies that provide fertility benefits to employees, regardless of the state they work in. In Washington state, Seattle especially, people who work for the Gates Foundation have fertility coverage, up to four IVF cycles from what I'm seeing. Plus, a lot of people work in satellite offices for Facebook and Google, and these companies have solid fertility benefits too. So do the lucky employees or employee spouses who work for these companies in Seattle, do they skew the results for the rest of Washington, which is not a state that covers fertility treatments? With the increased attention on fertility needs and the inequality in this country, I'm fairly confident we are going to see more studies that address the questions that both the authors and I have posed. With that, this is the end of today's episode. For future episode suggestions, 
please feel free to get in touch at the website for this podcast, which is www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in.